Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. We're also on YouTube. Find the links in the podcast description. I'm also a podcasting coach because I've got five podcasts for getting to the top half percent. And you'll find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. Today, my guest, best-selling author, also a podcaster, speaker, creator of virtual summits. Please welcome Eric Yang. Hi, Roy. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. So you might let the listeners know. I mean, I touched on the different things you're doing, but you might let them know who's Eric. Got it. So hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Eric Ziyang. Uh, like Roy mentioned, I'm an international speaker. I have a book, and I'm mostly a virtual, virtual summit consultant now. I was born and raised in Paris, and I built my first six-figure business when I was 19 by hosting in-person conferences for young entrepreneurs on 25 and uh, I have really uh, fastly moved to Virtual Summit as a tool and strategy for course creators, coaches, and podcasters on how to become an authority in the industry, as well as a way for them to generate income and build an email list. And uh, I've been doing it for about six, seven years now. And across all the conferences that I've hosted, we've had close to half a million virtual attendees and I've helped raise and generate over $5 million in sales across all those conferences. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, the quick summary of what I do. No, excellent. Very impressive. Very impressive. So before we delve into the summits, I'd like to know your own kind of speaking journey, you know, how you kind of got comfortable, whether speaking in stage or virtually. So funny enough, before I knew that entrepreneurship was a thing, I always wanted to become a speaker because my journey started at 16 17 where as a really young kid in middle of high school i had my existential crisis and uh, i was clinically depressed i had like three to four different type of antidepressants i had three to four different type of therapists and people that tried to help me but none of those things really helped uh, i was depressed clinically depressed for a year and a half and it wasn't until that i came across a book written by tony robbins that uh, really shifted my life when it comes to self-improvement and self-help, which was not a thing that I was really familiar with before. And to show like how communal was to change my life, uh, still being you know in school in, in Paris, I flew from Paris to LA for one of the Robbins conferences in the middle of the school week uh, because I knew that this was something that I wanted to pursue. So having learned from someone that you know wrote a book that, had, that speaks for a living, that changes life for a living. I knew that someone's story, someone's you know words, someone's impact at a conference uh, could drastically change someone's life. And I was the first one that experienced that. So very quickly, I tried to find ways to obviously help myself, but also wanted to build a business around it. But as someone that has never had a business before, that has never spoken in any kind of conference before, um, I just started my journey at Toastmaster, and this is where I, you know, shape and tune my my craft and try to share my story of how I overcame depression. Uh, and also, really wanted to learn about entrepreneurship. So, you know, you know, I didn't know what to teach about entrepreneurship, nor could I because I never built a business before. So instead of speaking as someone that has a business, I hosted a business conference for people who wanted a business. So I invited speakers, I did marketing for people that wanted to learn from entrepreneurs that were doing and building digital marketing businesses. 
And in between uh, the, the, the the speeches, I was the MC of my own event. And this is where I was able to share my own story, my own journey, uh, how I was able to obviously build a business despite not having a business by inviting people who were speaking for a living. And from there, I got experience of speaking. And this is where I kept on getting more speaking engagements, especially after I wrote my book a couple of years later. Brilliant. Excellent. Love it. And just just touching back, but I don't want to delve too much into it because you mentioned about, uh, you know, the depression tablets. Like I'm reading a very good book at the moment, Last Connections by uh, John Harry, I think his name is, Jonathan Harry. But basically talking about all the actual doctored figures that go to the FDA to make it look like they actually work, but the reality is they don't. And the side effects are suicidal tendencies. And the reality is it's just trying to find people to find a passion in life, which you actually done by kind of reading Tony Robbins and going to that. And unfortunately, the doctors are getting kickbacks and they don't care. They don't ask you the questions. What are you passionate about? What would you like to do to make a change and go out and take walks, being in the sunlight and things like that? And it's a shame because there's so many, I call them the drug dealers that are actually doing that, which, you know, you shouldn't have done that for two years, but it's fantastic that you actually overcame that and you were able to find your own journey, you know, after, after that period. Yeah, without diving too deep into it, Roy, um, I've come to realize that, first of all, it's about like, you know, what what is in your toolbox right now, right? A lot of people don't know what to start. They don't know who to listen to. And obviously, everyone has to start somewhere. So this is where the self-research and what is working for you needs to happen. And for me, even today, like, you know, it's not all highs and rainbow and sunshine every day, but depression and, and you know, feelings that make you feel bad are actually good feelings because those are indicators, right? Like like a compass that teaches you or shows you like something's wrong in your life. And the more you try to suppress it, the more you try to avoid it, the more you try to, you know, disregard it, the stronger it will come back because fundamentally nothing has changed. And it's tough for anyone, like let alone a kid that is oppressed to find their own solution to a problem where they might not know where it comes from. And it is natural to listen to a their parents or doctor about what they should do but ultimately it is up to them and obviously do things safely obviously if you don't feel well uh you know put yourself in a situation where you can be safe but you know this is where the mental strength that is required by someone to actually look in deeper asking and having someone who is able to ask you the right question uh that allows you to then find solution by yourself uh, because ultimately they don't know what is right for you. Only you can find that, but you can get support and assistance from those people to help you find that, that path for you. Whether that is a passion, a business, or at least you know, more clarity towards what you want to do and how you want to change it. No, Perfect. Beautiful. Love it. So with the Toastmasters then, did you stay in Toastmasters long or what was your journey with Toastmasters? So my journey with Toastmasters was uh, a year, about a year and a half. So I went to school in the US uh, because I wanted to be closer to the entrepreneurs that I want to learn from. So Tony Robbins was American. I thought, hey, where would all the entrepreneurs be? And I thought, the US. And it was in my head, either California or New York. I look at the weather, California looked better. So I chose a school in the US, in California. And while I was at school, I've attended maybe like 40 to 50 plus conferences or workshops or events while I was at school. 
uh, and you know, I just try to keep on learning from the people who are on stage, what made them stand out, what made the other one not stand out, and try to practice the small things I learned at Toastmaster when you know I'll introduce myself, when I share my story in a really quick way. So I think that for anyone that wants to start somewhere to feel in an environment that is non-judgmental, everyone's trying to, to be here to improve. You know, regardless of what the intention is for those people, because everyone's goal is different. I think Toastmaster is such a good community to start with. And then when eventually you find something that uh, you want to dive more into, whether that is, you know, speaking for a living or, you know, doing sales, this is where uh, I eventually found people that were more specialized in those um, sub-niches of speaking. And uh, yeah, Toastmaster for a year and a half, and I've evolved from there after that. Excellent. So 19 creating these virtual summits. That's, I mean, that's impressive. So I suppose looking at the first ones that you've done and the kind of the the ones that you've done lately, obviously, I mean, I suppose it's for me, it's like podcasting. I cringe and I go, oh, my God. <laughs> so what could you teach people that they don't make them mistakes? Oh, my God. First of all, check that your audio is recording check that your video is working because my first interview was pretty one of my biggest speaker and i didn't record it but i only captured the video not the sound and i cringed myself over like some of the videos that i was uh recording and, and i had to rewatch it but as cringe as it is it is so great to be able to share to your to anyone where you came from right so my first uh, conference that I hosted, my first virtual conference that I hosted was called the Millennial Success Summit, where I interviewed 35 entrepreneurs under 35. All of them were doing uh, digital marketing or a, a link towards building your own business, whether that was like talking about Snapchat or Periscope or Instagram, branding, sales, podcasting, uh, in-person events, uh, websites, and all those different ranges of things. And I was, uh, I think the thing that I, I I love about podcasting or learning how to become a better speaker is how you can learn to become a better listener, right? So you being actively listening to your guests, you're listening to how they give the answers. Uh, you quickly realize like what makes one stand out from another speaker and what makes a speaker really, really bad. So this is where I got more experience as a speaker by doing more interviews because obviously you speak maybe only 20% of the time when you do interviews, hopefully less than that. But this allows you to then, you know, obviously be an active listener, be able to be interested in the topic and be able to then able to converse better. And reversely, when you jump on podcasts, when you go on stage, uh, you're able to learn from all the people's mistakes that they have made on your own show or here on, on my virtual summit. And I was able to learn from them. So, no, first rule is make sure it's recorded. Second one is whenever I host someone on my virtual summit or when I interview someone, I spend at least a good hour and a half doing research and listening to at least one or two episodes they have done in the past because I found that the best, um, the best conversation, the best content are from the follow-up on the question they have answered previously. So maybe someone talks about sales, and you found it really, really interesting, but you wish, or at least I wanted to learn more about that side. So I would just bring it up. Say, hey, on this podcast, you talk about this. Will you be able to 
uh, explain a bit more about this step by step process of that sales process you talk about that generally you have a million dollars sales in two months because I think that is fundamentally important to understand like your way of uh your way of operating here and that I think you know really was a key part of your success. So you doing that really helps you with creating content that cannot be found elsewhere. And I guess uh the other part that I do is uh I think the follow-up after interview is really important for me where this is where the friendship and the relationship is being built. Uh, making sure, you know, first of all, they get the links of the podcast and we also like find ways to help them out. Uh, something that I always do at the end of every session with someone I interview is like, hey, what are you working on and what are you looking for? Are you obviously on, you know, a show on a virtual summit for a reason to promote something? Is there someone else I can connect you with? And through that relationship building process, is where the building of the the business opportunities are being attracted and built. And this is where most of my uh, joint ventures came from. Excellent. And I suppose one is kind of dealing with, I don't know, can you call it ego with some of the speakers? Because even with some, I mean, I know you're a podcaster yourself, but we do live shows kind of usually every Tuesday and Thursday. And we've had really famous people on our show. Sometimes people would stay on for half an hour, even up to an hour, just chatting away and kind of giving offline stuff. And it's brilliant. Other people, they don't even say goodbye. As soon as the, the broadcast ends, they're actually ending. They're gone. And, you know, it's strange because like, they could at least acknowledge that, you know, we've done a lot of promoting and, you know, the whole two hours that we've interviewed the people. But you've obviously kind of experienced some of that with different personality types with the, the speakers that you get. Yeah, honestly, this is a great filter, right? If someone is obviously, you know, taking the time to be active, trying to add value, someone who's kind, who's easy to work with, that's a person that you want to build a relationship with long term. If someone is, you know, they don't care, it's pretty transactional, uh, they don't show up on time, but they should be scheduled last minute multiple times, which, you know, is is a pain in the ass because you're taking some of your time to prepare and they kind of, you know, cancel last minute. That throws your day off for a couple of hours and then they do it again. You know, it's annoying. But at the end of the day, right, you, you just save yourself hours, if not maybe days or weeks or years of a relationship that they wouldn't have appreciated anyway, right? If that's the way they act in the first instance, Maybe they have the bad day or something like that, but you, everyone knows who they want to become closer to. If it's out of pure interest, then that's a whole different conversation. But if it's like from man to man or let's say relationship to relationship, um, someone that should on time, you know, is kind, someone you want to get known better, you just, you know, it just makes everything easier. And that's someone that, you know, you will appreciate and also enjoy uh, doing business with. Excellent. So, like, I assume a lot of this, it'd be kind of tapping into each other's lists. And I don't know, do the, like the speakers probably don't speak, but they do if, because they're tapping into the whole audience. Then they're they're selling something at the end. And it's probably, I don't know, I just know from other events, it's, sometimes it's a 50-50 split or it kind of varies. Is it something similar for the virtual ones that you're doing? Yeah. So context about virtual summits and the way that I operate is a bit different from what the rest of the industry is doing. So for the people who don't know what a virtual summit is, I essentially call it a webinar on ecstasy. So a webinar is usually an online training that is on video done by one speaker on a specific topic. A virtual summit is usually multiple speakers, um, average of 10 to 30 uh, for a virtual conference. And the way it works is you put on your email 
and this allows you to get a virtual ticket to a conference that is happening online. And the way that I do it is it's entirely free. So you just put in an email, you don't have to buy a ticket, and you can watch all the sessions of the summit if you go it uh, while it is live. Keep in mind that some sessions are live, but I make every single one of my virtual summit pre-recorded. So all the interviews, all the questions, all the setup is done a month prior. So the only thing I do is just customer service, making sure the attendees are getting the emails. And the way that someone would experience a virtual summit is let's say day one, you have five speakers. Um, you know, you can watch as many sessions as you want for 24 hours. And then when day two comes, you get a new email sending you to a different link and which allows you to watch five sessions again, but those are new speakers. If you want to go back to watch day one, you can't because the session are closed now because you can only watch them for 24 hours. Same thing happens when day three comes, you can't watch day two anymore. And, you know, and then at the end, uh, if you want to rewatch the sessions and get some bonuses, this is what we call an all access pass where you bundle the sessions, the recordings with some bonuses where you yourself or some experts, some seekers give away some bonuses, making the whole bundle more interesting and attractive. And this is how you make some part of the revenue from a virtual summit. So you mentioned like people promoting or people selling. So I actually never allow any one of my speakers to sell their product on a virtual summit. I have full control and retention of my audience. And the reason why is because I don't want it to become pitch fest. And the, the audience has spent a lot of time rewarding in other ways pitch a product or maybe one or two sponsors. And the reason why is because you want your audience to have a crystal clarity on exactly what they want to buy. And if you give 20 offers in a virtual summit, first of all, they're going to feel like disgusted by it. Like, what is this? Is this not value? This is more like a pitch, which is not what they, they spend the time for. But two is, if you only give them one or two options, they're going to choose you or the other one, not like one amongst 20, which is really important if you are trying to sell your own program, right? So you, you brought up the speakers and how they promote and what is in for them. So the first thing for me is the speakers, uh, let them know this is, you know, you can't pitch. Um, but I'd be more than happy to give you a, a, a part of the revenue that comes from your audience, which is usually what people do. Uh, the standard in the industry is 50%. Let's say you sell a all access pass for hundred bucks, uh, they get $50. But what I gave my speakers, which makes them really, really excited to be part of this summit is I give them a hundred percent from the revenue that comes from their email list. The reason why is because, first of all, as a lot of people who have run affiliate marketing campaigns, they know how hard it is to be behind the affiliates' ass to make sure they promote and also make sure that they want to promote. Uh, if you double what they usually get, which is 50 to 100%, they're going to do it by themselves, right? If you give them uh, metrics on past sales, conversion rate, and how much they can expect from X email list size, then they can, you know, uh, know the revenue that will come from uh, your funnel. And 100% is okay because you walk away with an email list. And I'd rather give them 100% on, let's say, $100 than them not doing anything at all. But I still keep the email list, which, you know, they promote. And I will just grow my emails from, let's say, 0 to 5K, 0 to 10K, which is usually the standard of virtual summits where we have between three to 7,000 attendees. Uh, depends on the market, uh, depends on where you start from. 
But this is a really interesting part because the real money that you will make ultimately from your business is not from the funnel uh, side of it. It's from the backend offer, whether that is a coaching or service or agency service at the backend, that it's $2,000, $5,000, $10,000. And this is where the real money maker is. So this is why I'm, I'm not worried about the 100% uh, affiliate commission for the speakers. And obviously the speakers, knowing that it's not a pitch fest, they can come with value and uh, they'll be you know, next to big giants in the industry. And that's a good authority tool for them to broadcast to the audience as well. Yeah, excellent. And I mean, I've on my podcasting, I've had two big kind of pitch fest I call him one I didn't even hear it because it was so bad like he just every question he just reverted back to what he was doing but uh, another one was a live one so we couldn't kind of do much and he kind of kept every 15 minutes it was a nearly two hours kind of staying his sub stack and his website and everything but the information was good but uh yeah it, it kind of takes away especially if uh, you know you have your own list as well coming in looking at this it's kind of like yeah we're only here because they want to extract every single penny out of us and they feel kind of cheated, basically. Exactly. You don't want to leave a bad taste to your audience that you spend like years building loyalty towards you and then introduce someone that you thought would bring value and they don't. And they only extract value from the audience and your community. Um, this is why also uh, making it pre-recorded allows you to vet people. If the recording is bad, you don't have to air it. If it was working good, you know which day to put it. You want to have control across all board on what's happening on your virtual summit because your name is attached to everyone else's. And depending on the industry, the space can be quite small. And, you know, if someone is a pitch fester, uh, as, as I, I like to call it, um, just don't invite them again. And and this makes everything easier at the end of the day. So, so, so yeah, that's my advice on how to do it. Excellent. And because sometimes on a kind of the virtual summit, they do kind of like breakout groups, workshops and stuff like that. Is that something that you offer as well? And how do you do that if if it's kind of pre-recorded? Is it, do they come back in for kind of doing that? Yeah. So, so this is the, the beauty of positioning again. So we don't do any live recording sessions, you know, not one-on-one -on -one with the speaker, but we do live streaming where the host shares the biggest takeaway of the day. It's like, hey guys, we can go live with me and myself uh, talking about the speakers and what we learn. So the audience only talks to you where you can basically recap to the people and they like build loyalty towards you because you know, you're the one who's hosting the conference. And if you want to invite one or two people to come join you for 10, 15 minutes to add value, you can, but you want to position yourself as a leader within your own space. I see this from a lot of podcasts as well, where, they promote and they speak and interview other people, but they don't share what they learn, which is sometimes a lot more valuable than what some speakers are going to share. So you should have also your own sessions on the virtual summit. You might interview people, but you can also have you know your own team interview you, or if you feel comfortable with it, have your own little keynote session on you know on each day, which makes your you know offer much more valuable and real and more relatable to people who want to buy from you, right? Because although you're going to be naturally associated with all the people on the conference, you know, the big speakers are, hey, I don't know the host, but they have big names. That's great. But they want to hear from you. They want to learn from you. And if they're going to buy from you, you better like share with them something that they can walk away with, right? So that's one. The second thing is um, 
being able to then do those uh those you know mini groups within the paid community that is the value right well that's a one a one part of the offer uh, that is in the bundle so hey join our private community in discord on facebook groups and within that group of people who actually are financially committed you'll be able to build a deeper relationship with those people so for the people who are just tuning live uh and didn't buy live streaming on facebook is just good enough and then if they want more uh you can have a moderator who sells like, hey we have a private community who'll be around every year uh, for a year here just join here for 100 bucks 200 bucks depending on the price points and then be able to walk away from that um if that answers your questions yeah definitely and have you because you mentioned like it's free for the attendees have you played around with kind of charging a low-end price because usually when things are free the conversion rate as in the people that actually turn up tend to be a lot less because people they haven't got skin in the game yeah, it's a great, great, great uh point. So the way that I do it, the way I see it is as an email list builder. I don't focus on revenue because revenue will be built and eventually afterwards. And the speakers, the affiliates, the sponsors who are going to be promoting a summit are going to have way, way, way better results if it is free. Because keep in mind that people are not familiar with you. You might even need to educate your audience on what a virtual summit is, what what you're doing on the ads, on retargeting, which is can be costly and will take some time. But if it is free, it's a low-hanging fruit for them. Just put an email and kind of forget about it. And then a couple of weeks later, they receive an email about this conference. And they're much more likely who's not. So for the people who are committed, this is what we do, the Alexis Pass, uh, the bundle, for the people who want more of it. And it's always easier to sell to someone who hasn't bought now, later on, than someone that has seen the ad, is interested, saw the price, but didn't pay, and try to make them buy afterwards. So the image here that you can get is capture it all and then filter through after. Rather than put a barrier of entry and then and then be able to then uh filter them through afterwards. One's easier than the other. So the money is in the list, basically. Yes, uh, because money is a list, and you can use the list in the future as a leverage tool for you to get speaking gigs or be able to promote a show or be part of a bigger podcast because that is a number that you have regardless. And now more than ever, it is getting more and more expensive to build email list. Uh, it used to be like 80 cents a lead for a virtual summit lead before. Now it's like three, four, five, six, seven dollars. Um, and for the same reason that Facebook ads costs have gone up. So that makes your list even more valuable than before. And what's your strategy then for emailing people because i have a pet peeve at the moment because london real i've unsubscribed about 10 times and what they're actually doing is they're doing a kind of basically office at londonreal.tv delphi at you know offers at they just change it and then they have different names so sometimes i can get a uh, 30 emails in two or three days from them and yet despite yeah. unsubscribing they just keep changing it which is basically in europe against gdpr so like what's your kind of strategy that you don't annoy because i know it's a kind of you don't want to be doing it too little because they don't remember you but i think bombarding them makes people annoyed right 
Yeah, that, that, uh, that's funny because we don't use that. We use one email. We actually, on the welcome email, we'll have the notes like, hey, get ready to, for a lot of emails. And here's why. Because we want to make sure you don't miss a day, right? So we don't email them much in between the, t the day they sign up to up, uh, going up to the conference just because we respect someone's inbox too much. And it, you don't want them to disconnect and be disgusted by you before the event even starts. So, uh, but in a welcome email, we'll let them know, like, hey, make sure to, you know, whitelist the email. You're going to receive those emails. The links inside are going to be important for you to get access to it. And for someone that has either never attended a virtual summit or, or wants to learn from a specific topic, they're going to be ecstatic to learn from 10, 15, 20 people who are teaching about a the topic they want to learn more about, right? So this is more like, if you let them know ahead of time, this is happening, they're going to be okay with it. But if you, like you said, use different emails to bombard you, that's not okay. Um, so we never use that. And we do have, uh, you know, we use Facebook groups before. Sometimes we use Telegram. So, hey, enjoy the Telegram where whenever the conference goes live, going to give you links. So making sure everyone is uh, connected to the conference. And uh, yeah, that, that's just the way we do it. Email reminders. Sometimes people use SMSs uh, if they want to but that's an extra barrier of entry for some people. No, excellent. And have you found the kind of sweet spot of how long you have each speaker so that you're not kind of losing engagement? And do you have then kind of a break in between or what's your kind of strategy? All right. So to give you a better image of how it works is picture one page of a website where interviews are back to back to back to back. You scroll down, there's one video. You scroll down, there's one more video, right? So everyone kind of just pick and choose because we give the agenda way ahead of time on what is the session they want to attend so that, you know, they don't have to watch uh, a session they don't want to watch. So it's more like an easy pick and choose on what you want to watch. If you watch them all, you can. If you watch them later, you can pay for it. Um, so that's a, one way to to do that. And the, uh, the length is depending on what they teach, obviously, but this is where the beauty of editing comes in. If someone is rambling, 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 talking about something that has nothing to do with a topic that you want your speakers uh, to talk about, you edit it out, right? You make an interview that's one hour, 30 minutes. But I guess if you're asking me for a sweet time, I would say between 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, we don't, what I like about the way we do interviews is we maybe allow only a little bit of story, storytelling, just enough to give people context, right? about what they do and why you should trust them. And then we dive directly into the good stuff. The way that I like to do my virtual summit is not interviews, it's the masterclass. The difference is one is, you know, me asking you questions as opposed to masterclass where the host, oh, I mean, the interviewee already has a keynote that they, or they have experience sharing already where I just let them speak and I'm just here to uh, gather them through it and we can talk about it together later on. This has a more structural way for the audience to get uh, takeaways that are practical, which is always the value that I always strive for. Because at the end of every interview, you want the audience to be mind blown by the value from one interview. And they're going to think about, okay, if this interview was so good, what else can the other 20 interviews bring me? And how can that change me in my business? And this will result in them more likely than not by the recordings from you because the, inter the interviews are not just regular conversations. They're actually almost like a training sessions given by a specific uh, expert on a specific topic 
of that specific industry. And that makes the conversion rate go way higher. Excellent. And I'm just curious, does your system have the option of speeding it up? And the reason I ask is every time I'm watching a video on YouTube or BitChute, I can do by two. Audio, I can do up to three, but most of the things don't. And I just try to, you know, I absorb as much as possible in a shorter time. Do you, are you able to speed up the, on your system? Yeah, that's a great question. So in our welcome email, you know, first part is like, hey, why list us? Second part is, hey, this is what a summit is about. The first thing is, as the uh, date of the summit comes up, we actually ask them to install a plugin on Google Chrome. It's like, hey, this will allow you to speed through interviews if you want to, uh, you know, 1.5x, 2x, 3x the speed of the the videos. This will allow people to just consume more. And most of the time, we found that our audience uh, prefers to like you know listening at 1.5 the speed. And then we also give them a a blank page branded from some of the sponsors. Uh, you know, they can print them out, take notes, put like a profile of each speaker. So there's a bio and there's some space uh, for them to write things on. And this is always uh, appreciated from those people that are attending our conferences. Oh, excellent. No, brilliant, brilliant. So I know you've been featured, I like I'm aware of Entrepreneur Magazine. I used to subscribe that for years, uh, but also Quartz and in- Influensive, I think it's called, plus others. So was that something that just kind of organically happened or did you get a PR company? Because a lot of people kind of aspire to get on these things to get a better promotion for what they're doing. It, it's so funny. Um, so Influensive happened because I interviewed the founder of Influensive on my first virtual summit. Uh, he was one of the big speakers that talk about media and PR. And, and it just naturally happened where at the end of the interview, was like, hey, by the way, I would love to write for your media platform. So yeah, I'll have you as a contributor. And then also ask him, like, hey, uh, you know, would you mind writing a piece about the virtual summit on your platform? So yeah, no problem, right? So that relationship was built from me having him as the speaker on my virtual summit. And for a fact, I, asked, I actually asked him later on, like, hey, you know, what made you want to be a speaker on my virtual summit? Uh, because I didn't have an email list. I was a nobody. I was like 19 back in the days. Um, and he said, you had a platform that was interesting. You had a virtual summit. You know, I was uh, never on one before and I'm interested to be on it. And it's different from a podcast. The, the, branded, it, the branding is better. The authority is better. Uh, the audience actually come in, spend time as opposed to podcasts where they usually listen to it. Uh, people actually spend time in front of a laptop to attend a virtual conference. So he said that that really, really made me want to do it. And and for the people listening to this right now who have a podcast, if you if you struggle with some guests, having them on a podcast, because sometimes it's not seen as a high pursuit value platform, virtual summit, despite being the same thing for you, where you do a Zoom call, you interview, record uh, everything, uh, the... The tool, the platform is a bit different and this, you know, gets people to say yes. And the same way that for a real estate conference that one of my clients hosted, he had no email list, he had no authority, he was a nobody, but he was able to get the CEO of Century 21 Global to say yes, to become a speaker via a cold email reach out because of the nature of how the branding of a virtual sign was. And, you know, he spoke for free. We didn't pay for him him to be a speaker at all and that was just like a, such a great tool uh quartz happened because i also interviewed someone that had 
a relationship with a uh, someone who was arrested for courts. And entrepreneur.com happened because one of my friends that was a speaker before as well, uh, you know, just wrote a piece for me because I have a favor that I've done for him. So it just crazy how as a giver you can you receive back from people that are just you know uh people that understand the value of building business relationship and i just believe in giving and i didn't expect any of that i just ask uh depending on the timing and then just i just got it and for the people looking for more pr um you being positioned as a host for a virtual summit positions you as a leader and it's quite easy for someone to have almost like a written or article ready to go. It's like, hey, learn about those like 15 speakers in a specific niche because all those 15 speakers are in your virtual summit. I also bring sometimes what I call media partners, people that I put on my website as a sponsor for free in exchange of writing a media piece about the virtual summit or about me or about some of the speakers. It's a good trade for them because they have something easy to write on. It's a good trade for me because I give them some branding that costs me nothing, virtually nothing, and they are happy about it. And I got a PR piece on about what I'm doing. Brilliant, brilliant. And you kind of just mentioned there, like easily just ask, and I'm kind of cool with that as well. I never have a problem with that, but there are so many people, they fear asking, and what's the worst that can happen? You know, when you actually ask the, the guy, you know, could you do an article on me? Can I get featured and can I do that? You just ask, what's the worst you can say is no, but most people fear that. And I mean, if it's going to, like you're actually giving, you know, something to the community that's there. It's not that you're just extracting, but you're obviously going to benefit from it. But people have to kind of get out of their own head a lot of the time because they just they they, they, they just fear the rejection. And it's like, the way I see it is, the more no's, the closer to a yes you get and not to worry about things like that. Yeah, this, uh, I agree with you. But there's some ninja things to do in between, right? So you gotta ask that that's you know, that's the, the biggest thing, but you gotta ask correctly, right? So when I asked to become a contributor for influencer, it wasn't just like, hey, can I become a contributor? It was like, hey, uh, would you mind uh, like uh, would you be interested in having me as a contributor for influencer? And then in return, I will share every single one of those articles to my email list that is now bigger and bigger. So for him, the win was a bigger audience to get a reach of readers, right? Uh, if I get a media piece from someone who is writing an article about my event, I will say to them like, "Hey, would you mind? Would you like to become a media partner?" And I f I will promote that article to my 5k, 10k, 20k email list size. And for them, it's a win because they want to be seen, they want to get paid, and they want to get a promotion, or they want to you know get more reach for their own brand, and it's a win for them. So they so you gotta ask yes, but also always ask yourself. What is in for them that I can do that will add value for their business or their personal lives? Oh, excellent. Yeah, I love it. So I suppose if we kind of just touch on the kind of pros and cons of a kind of a physical event versus a, a virtual, because obviously I like the cost factor, because sometimes you have to travel to a certain country or a city, pay for you know the travel, pay for the accommodation, the food and everything that's there. But obviously I can see kind of touching you know that you actually physically meet people and the energy in the place with the virtual one do you allow people to actually connect with each other do you have face group groups and things like that or you might just touch on that a little yeah that's a great question uh roy so i love i love i love in-person events 
but as a business operation, it doesn't make sense for you to start with one, in my opinion, because I did and I don't regret it. But if I had to do it again, I will host a virtual summit or virtual conference first to, to see if there's interest. And then for the people who have attended the virtual version of it, I will sell them the ticket to the in-person one. So that could even be part of your bundle where say, hey, you buy this all access pass. It is, let's say, $300, $400. And then including in the pass, there's a ticket for a you know, in-person event one day that you're hosting, right? So this allows you to kind of pre-sell the conference, have a lot of people say yes already. Uh, and then you can also use that as a leverage for you to then fill up the room uh, for your conference in person and then get sponsors. So the uh, I'll go in, into sponsors later on. Let's talk about the pros and cons, in my opinion. So pros of a in-person event. This is where you build a community. This is where you build a relationship. This is where you build ex experiences that could potentially la la last a, lot, a lifetime. This is where you also can sell packages that are 20, 50, 100K for a masterminds or for one of the programs because that's really, really hard to do it online. Uh, the pros, again, is, you know, the, the pictures or the community, this is where uh, all the fun is being built. The cons, we've touched on it. Uh, the venue that is really expensive. You have to be six months and then literally the day after the event ends, you own almost none of the assets. You own the pictures, you own the brand, you own the websites, but the place where you have to do it, you know, you own none of that. So it's not systematic and it's not perpetual. And that is the pro of Virtual Summit. It is systematic. It is perpetual. You have full ownership and full control of it. If you want to relaunch your Virtual Summit the next day, you can. If you want to relaunch it next week with new speakers, you can. If you want to use that material uh, for repurposing the content, you can. Uh, something that a lot of my clients I have them with is we have 20, 30, 40 hours of content of a specific topic. You can easily transcribe that into a written version and make a book out of it and have this as a lead, lead magnet uh, for your program, right? We usually do this for the next version of it where we basically put it into a software. There's many out there. Uh, this script is one of my favorite one out there. And, you know, a lot of podcasters use it, but, you know, you can make a book out of it and you can also make blogs out of it. And when someone talks about what I was talking about, what they're doing, giving a keynote instead of just doing an interview is much more practical. And that is much more suited for a blog article. That's much more suited for micro video content on social media. And that's much more suited for a ebook, right? The con, I would say, is uh, maybe now there's a little bit more of that, although I'm not worried about it about it because at the end of the day it depends on the speakers who promote and also how you do the ads uh, you know webinars has been around for much longer than virtual summits and they still do well it depends on who else you're committing against um i guess the the pros of doing a virtual event and a physical event is sponsorship which is a good segue into what i was talking about earlier and that is something that's heavily heavily underutilized because I've helped raise over half a million dollars in sponsorship and a big chunk of that money came from summits that didn't have any email list. So come, if you come from a perspective of a sponsor, what do they want? They want to sell a product in front of the ideal audience. If you do 
a summit, let's say on Airbnb, on how to build a business on Airbnb, you have so many softwares, so many tools, so many companies that are creating towards the people that have a business around Airbnb, whether there's like a managing tool, a, a tool that allows you to allow your guests to check in, managing your team, etc. Those people, from their perspective, spend a lot of money to talk to people who have Airbnb homes. And it is really hard for them to talk to these people. But if you have, let's say, 5,000 potential home owners that, are, that want to transform their home into Airbnb, you're going to save them a lot of money by putting them in front of the audience for a fraction of the cost. So Airbnb uh, Summit, I can give you some numbers if you want. That was back in 2018. Uh, the host, again, a nobody. He didn't have any experience doing a training or virtual summit. He did have experience doing uh, Airbnb for about two years prior to that, but he didn't have an email list, right? So zero. We got, I believe, 8,000 people on the virtual summit. Uh, about 40, 60 came from, uh, 40% came from Facebook ads, 60% come from speakers. And then we raised, I believe, 26,000 US dollars in sponsorship. And all those 26,000 US dollars that we raised was spent on Facebook ads. And those exactly, those were actually free money given to us to run ads to our conference, which we then shared more money for the next summit. And the, the, the sponsor was happy because obviously when we spend our money, uh, their money actually on the ads, their reach got bigger. Our first, you know, projection was four thousand because they gave us the money. We want to double that, right? So, when you do a in-person event, you can always sell a dual package. Where, hey, would you be interested to sell in person and an hour virtual conference? And I think it's easier to sell on a virtual conference first for them to have a taste of what you can deliver on first, and then if they appreciate the experience of working with you. You can then sell them on the in-person, obviously at a much higher price because in-person allows the uh, sponsor to build relationship with clients. Brilliant. Love it. Love it. So your your book, um, it's a virtual summit launch formula. So one thing I love is that you know it's written from the heart just by re- I'm not finished it I'm actually uh, in, in, you know re- reading through but I like the style I like the way that you actually write but you know straight away when somebody uses a ghostwriter or something like that and you know when a book is genuinely from the heart and you know it's giving you true information which is I see from your book so you might just kind of talk on the book a little bit so the book honestly uh, that is my entire agency SOP uh, if you want to do a virtual sign by yourself use that this is what my agency have done and use. This is what my team has used. And the reason why I give it away for free is in the same way that why I'm not offered to give my best stuff uh, on a virtual summit. And this is why I advise my clients to give away the best stuff on a virtual summit because the doers are going to do, but the doers are maybe like the only 1% or 2% of the population. The people that want to succeed, they need the how. They don't need the what. The what is the, the content, right? what to do, like what is a virtual summit? What type of speaker should we have? What type of offer should we have, right? Things that, you know, are fundamentally on the surface, but what everyone's really buying, and this is what the the the, the content on your virtual summit should be, or on a podcast, or on a book, is the context of how to apply the content. So what I mean by that, I can give you the book, 
I can give you the book. I can give you my whole SOP. But what you will eventually need is how can you apply the advice they give you to your business and to your situation? And this is what the how is given by my consulting company, right? So, uh, so the reason why I do that is the book is a greatly magnet. People read it, love it. But ultimately, the people who are actually really committed to doing it are actually launching the summit by themselves. And I have great case studies for that where I do nothing and I have 20, 40, 50 case studies, right? Which is a huge win. I spend none of my time. I can feature them on, on my website, etc. And they're happy. They give me referrals. But the people who actually want to work with me, the how, uh, they read the book. They know exactly what I'm doing. Uh, they don't have as much questions because the book is almost training them to become the ideal client for myself. And then when we do the VIP session, it's just like so much easier because they only have maybe a dozen questions that they just need more contextual help on. And that just allows them to do it. The book has always been, also has been a great lead generator for uh, getting speaking engagements. And, you know, I always say, say to anyone that wants to do more speaking, say, hey, you need to have a book. doesn't matter how long, but have one. And this is going to be like your business walking, your business card when you go speak at conferences, when you go attend conferences, because the difference between you and someone else is you might have a book and they don't, and you get picked because of that. Brilliant, brilliant. And do you actually, I mean, you've obviously have it in electronic format, but you have you done this like uh, print on demand as well, or have you got physical copies? Print on demand is the way to go, right? In my opinion, because first of all, uh, you have no inventory. Amazon, you know, so for the people who don't know what print on demand is, it's basically you send a PDF version of it, uh, the EPUB version of it, uh, of a book, you send to Amazon. And Amazon takes it, and whenever someone buys it, they have uh, factories and printers that will print it for you, ship it for you, and then they will just deliver it to uh, your clients. And if you want to buy your own copies at, uh, at a fraction of the cost, you can buy 100, 200 of them and get shipped to your house. But you don't want to be doing the hard labor yourself. So print on demand is the way to go. Uh, I believe Amazon takes 70% or 60% depending on the price. But in my opinion, it's worth it because once again, the money is not made by selling books. It's by made by the people who contact you in the book. And if you do write a book, I highly, highly, highly recommend adding a lot of call to action for people to add you or send you emails so you can you know, give them a, a freebie, something like a, a value. Because if someone buys your book on Amazon, you don't have the email. Amazon does. So for you to be able to contact your customers, your customers need to contact you first. And a good way for them to do that or actually incentivize them to do that is to give them a bonus. Yeah, exactly. And I'm actually putting up a podcast planner at the moment. I've written a lot of books, but I kind of held off on some of them. And I I put on the podcast planner just last week. And one is with the PDF, you have to get the sizing totally right because they actually make you resize it. It's not that you just put up the PDF and you can actually scale it to the size of book. But what, what I learned is the one I'm going for is color because I just think it's actually a nicer, it looks better and everything. And the, the amount that you get is tiny. Like I thought it was like kind of 30 or if it's an ebook, it's 70% and stuff like that. But it wasn't working out like that. But to be honest with you, the alternative is 
me actually i mean i can get books printed at one and two bucks because i've looked at that before you know you can, in poland you can get it but i mean if you look at the time that it's taking to actually get the printing label posted go to the post office and everything you can't it just just make it sweet and easy and i think it's more i mean i've made sure i've all my links and you know have an have an offer that people actually can and you build your list because unfortunately as you mentioned you don't have uh, amazon's list even just for your own product yeah exactly and also don't complicate your, your life right if you don't know the amazon sizing the format and you know you want your book to actually feel good look good be good when someone holds it just hire someone on fiverr who is specialized in formatting your book right once you've written it send it to them they will revise it they will send it to you you send it to amazon easy and clean don't exactly. complicate yourself and you know like you said you, you you don't make a business out of selling books but books can bring you a lot of business so if you are okay with only making 10 20 percent more on your book for something that is quote unquote free for you to give away technically uh that's a win in my in my books no absolutely absolutely so fi yeah. finally i mean i know you're a podcaster yourself so you might just let me know why you started a podcast and the name of it for the listeners yeah so my podcast is called fuck college podcast and the whole reason why i did a podcast is because i wanted to basically be able to talk to someone about whatever i want to talk about although i'm not as consistent as i want to be it's just not priority right now but the intention behind it was the fact that when i went to the school in the u.s i actually never intended to graduate it was always planning to drop out when my business took off but i needed a visa to send u.s but out of self-interest you know i took an entrepreneurship class i had maybe like one of the worst teacher i ever had a top business she knew about business but she never had a business herself and I'm like, why am I learning from her? But I need my credit. Otherwise, I, I couldn't stay in the U.S. Um, and that really fueled the idea of, you know, what they teach in college, what they teach in school about business, if you, that's your intention. It's just so archaic. Um, and this is why I love podcasts so much. And this is why I love what you do, Roy. It's because if you have something you want to learn, go straight to the source. Don't ask the teacher. Don't ask someone. Don't, maybe don't even ask a coach. Just host a podcast about a topic you want to learn, reach out to people who are doing what you want to do, and they will give you the most practical advice that you can have because they are doing what you want to do. Uh, if you're going through an issue, if you have a problem, ask them about it. And if you want to actually have them help you, if you have a course, you can buy it, right? Just buy exactly what you want. Don't, And that's the whole pain around college where they force you to take classes where you have no interest in. And... And even the classes that you take, you have interest in, most of the time it's not practical. It's not like applicable to real life. And I think that everyone should have their own education. What I mean by that is they should create their own their own path, their own courses. And this is why podcasts is such a hack that I wish so many young people could use because when you're like a 16 years old that has a podcast, the world is your oyster. Everyone out of self-respect and out of admiration will say yes to you and you, this will open so many doors and obviously you get more confidence, you create content um, and and from there, you know, it's just in a whole different world here. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And just on the 
because I, I did the crypto podcast to kind of learn myself. And I have learned so much just by having different guests on. And with the Polish, it was like I was looking for something that was either Polish and they were all scripted or they were just only in Polish. So I created it because it was to helping me learn the language. Uh, you mm. know, it, it, definitely. And at the end of the day, when you're even listening, you can buy to it like we talked about earlier in the video. You can you can you know, absorb a lot more information in a shorter time. If it's one like that, some you can't. But obviously, there's a lot of podcasts that you can you know listen to with the information speeded up. Yeah, I agree. Uh, maybe the last thing I want to share with you, Roy, is maybe the, the main difference. People often actually ask me this. What is the difference between a podcast and a virtual summit? A podcast is an ongoing thing, right? Where you have to do it quite consistently. You can't do it one week and stop for three weeks and do it again for one week. Consistency is key. Um, I love how easy podcast is, but I hate the fact that you can't capture your leads emails. You can't, it's it's not a two-way conversation. It's like a, you your audience listens to you and you can't really interact with your audience. Virtual Summit allows you to get emails and allows to create a two-way conversation on top of the fact that once you launch it, you don't have to do it again if you don't want to, right? So it's like, okay, let's do it for one, three days. If you want to relaunch it, you can do that. But unlike a podcast, people expect you to have more content that's coming up later on. So, um, but I believe that podcast is just so much easier for the ears. It's like just so much more convenient. So depends on what you're looking for. But yeah, there's one something I want to highlight because people often ask me about those two things. No, excellent. Listen, Eric, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. You shared a lot of valuable information. So you might let people know how they can get in contact with you. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Instagram. This is where I spend the most time on. Uh, EricZyang.eth. Uh, I hosted an NFT and crypto conference. So that's why I have this name. Uh, 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 and... And you can find more of a book called the Virtual Summit Launch Formula on Amazon.com. And yeah, if you have any questions, I'm more than happy to answer your questions. Yeah, excellent. I'll make sure I put the links both on the audio and the video. And I'll, I'll get you on the crypto podcast as well, because I actually, when I was looking at your profile, I saw you done a lot of things in that, but I, I didn't want to delve into that. That's for a different crypto podcast. So, yeah. yeah. So I'll make sure I put the link both in the audio and the video. Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you so much, Roy. No problem. So that's all for the Speaking Podcast. You'll find everything on speakingpodcast.com, also on Bitship YouTube, and everything about me, my further podcasts, and my coaching. You'll find our bio.link forward slash podcaster. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, five star rating, and make sure you give Eric a five star rating as well. He likes to go up the charts as well. And if you can, give him your email. Until next week, take care.